Welcome back to the Scoop Podcast with your lovely host, Scoop and Scoops. Today we have another special guest, Alexi Noseball, one of the up-and-coming sports content creators in the community. I'll take you give some time for you to introduce yourself, man. How you doing today? What's going on? I'm great. I am, as you said before, Alexi knows ball. I love basketball. I love love sports in general. Just always getting my opinions out there, joking about stuff. Most popular TikTok videos about Kyle Lowry's butt. So, you know, I'm always, <laughs> always doing stuff, but I'm happy to be here. It's like the second podcast I've ever been on. So I'm honored. Thank you, man. That's good. That's good. That's good. If you can explain a little bit, what got you into just making basketball content? Was there any like person you followed over the years or you just felt like, hey, I like basketball enough. I'm going to show the world that I have some knowledge or some jokes to to go ahead with just the content I, I make. So, I mean, I've been lurking, you know, sports social media for Gosh knows how long. I mean, I'm 19, so it could only be so long. But I mean, I just, I always, I always just loved. I love when other people made stuff, and I was like, you know, I could definitely, I could do what they do. So mm-hmm. that's really where it started. And then now I'm like, now I start showing my face sometimes, which I, I did not at first. Like mm-hmm. at my first, my first ever video was about the Rui Hachimura Kendrick Nunn trade. Um, oh wow! From, yeah, a little bit ago. It's about year ago i've been like back and forth on stuff constantly i mean in that video basically all i said was like uh rui hachimura got traded for a bag of chips and you know now i'm like now i've got minute and a half videos of like me talking about if steve kerr should actually be fired and like you know now i'm trying to do some more serious stuff so really i just got into it because i'm like i can do what they do i might not have the followers i might not have the knowledge but Mm -hmm. i can do it See, that's what I thought of. That's kind of my mindset as well, because when I first started out, like making content, it was mostly video games. So I'm like, yeah, my group of friends are funny. Like we can we can get on here, chop it up, talk, you know, have a joke here and there and people will react. Like, yeah, I know we're funny because you know, I'll laugh at myself sometimes, too. But you got to be able to laugh at yourself. if You expect that's somebody it. else to laugh at you. So that's kind of how I got into it as well. And I was like, I know enough about basketball that i can make some jokes i can drop some knowledge we're going to go you know having some debates with some randoms on the internet sometimes they kind of make me a little too angry though so i got to stop myself because i wish you could talk face to face with some of these people instead of just typing long ass paragraphs about <laughs> who's your favorite pair of player or who has the best stats in the league so it kind of gets annoying sometimes but for the most part it, it's fun having those debates with randoms and showing people this is what i know let's see what you know yeah, I mean, no doubt, like, I can't, that, that's why, you know, social media is such an amazing place and such a terrible place, because, mm-hmm. you know, you can see some very great things and like, oh, yeah, I could see someone saying this in real life. And then you see a paragraph about someone calling LeBron their pookie bear. And you're like, no one is ever <laughs> saying these words out loud. Like, and I'm jokingly like, so I'm like a big LeBron fan. We'll get into that. I'm not a Bron sexual, but you know, I'm bigger than LeBron. And so I've made some yeah. posts before where I've copied this one guy. I think his, his name's Bron Got Game on Twitter, who wrote uh-huh. this like whole paragraph. And so there's definitely been times I've gone on Twitter, searched up the paragraph, and made it my caption for oh, some wow. of my TikToks. And I'm I'm just thinking like I would never say any of this stuff in public <laughs> ever. <laughs> But I'll say it on TikTok. So, yeah. you know. 
<laughs> yeah, sometimes you gotta embrace it though, because that's that's what makes it funny. Because I know, like you, I'm a I'm a big LeBron fan too. I would say over the years, I feel like as I got older, he starts to get a little bit more corny. So now that I've fallen out of love with him, I just gotta love him from a distance. Because I know you <laughs> sometimes you gotta get into them debates with people that call you a broad sexual, and it's like you know if I'm bringing out facts, what can I say? But the person I know I defend the most, like no other, is Damian Lillard, because I am a Trailblazers fan. I'm not from Oregon. I'm actually on the other side of the, the country in uh, Virginia. But it's actually a funny story why I like the Trailblazers. Mm. Started out, I'm a big 2K head. Over the years now, it's a little bit different because, you know, 2K is just, that thing is either I'm getting older or 2K is getting worse. I don't know which one. Now, the 2K that dropped this year was pretty good. So I, I, won't, I won't say anything about that. But I was a big 2K head. I had 2K14. When I was in high school, I didn't get it the year it dropped because I didn't have a system till I was like 16 or so. So I played 2K14, and since I was bad at 2K, I got drafted real late. And mm-hmm. it was between the Clippers and the Trailblazers. I got drafted to the Trailblazers, and then I went undefeated in the season with them. I probably didn't play in the hardest difficulty, so probably wasn't as hard as I'm making it seem. <laughs> but because I went undefeated, I was like, hmm, but I like the Trailblazers. And the person I always passed it to, because I was a small forward on the team, the person I always passed it to was just a, a, a dude with a low haircut that's draining threes. And I'm like, who is that guy? And I looked, I was like, okay, Damian Lillard. And I looked up his stats. I was like, oh, he's pretty decent. You know what? You're going to be my favorite player. And he ended up being a dog. Best hey, that's of all time in my book. It's all, it's all you need, man. And, you know, I, w- I wish you could have had more say on uh, Dame coming to my heat, but, you know. It's... <laughs> We don't talk about it, so it's okay. I'm I'm coping. We're gonna we're gonna have a surprise finals appearance again, and I'm gonna be happy with it. And I hope I hope that doesn't happen because then I'm gonna have to hear it. Because Dame stayed loyal to no avail, and then he left and still can't succeed. I can't have those two narratives floating around in the community because uh, oh, then boy. I might have I might have uh, yeah some problems. Don't worry, Giannis oh, is going to shoot like six for 20 from the free throw line. So <laughs> he'll duck all the slander. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I love you, Giannis. He's the, he's the number one option. So he has to. But sometimes I feel like, you know, defer to my man because we know you're going to drop 40, but somebody's going to drop 70 on your team. So you got to pass hey, the I, I mean, look, and, you know, we think about when the Bucs won that, that championship, who was their number one guy in the clutch? Chris Middleton exactly you don't have to be the best player on the team to be the best clutch option on your team just ask robert ori <laughs> that man was the sixth option on every single like on almost every single team he played for when there's a big shot needed you know who who the hell the ball's going to yep oh going towards the heat i know that eric Spolstra got an extension it's yes. funny that they waited until his divorce like ended. I, mean, I think it's got- a coincidence but it's a fun one at that. It's a fun coincidence. Yeah, I didn't even know that stuff was going on. Like people be revealing all these special details that people don't, I feel like people don't really pay attention to until it's like something like that. And then it's kind of like, dang, they just want to make sure he and him only gets the bag. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think like could there be some merit to that? Sure, because like Spolstra probably could have gotten an extension before the season started, mm-hmm. but. It's also like I don't, I don't think it was intentional, but 
Yeah. Regardless, I'm very happy that he's going to be the coach for the rest of his coaching career. That's amazing. He's going to be, I mean, eight years added to his contract. He's going to be like in his 60s or something. Like he's going to, I think, he, yeah. So we're going to spolster around for a while, which is good because uh, that's the mm-hmm. only reason we're ever a- able to qualify for the play in sometimes because, you know, Jimmy Butler gets hurt all the time. And then, you know, Tyler Hero will inevitably hurt something, and then Bam will have like an ankle injury for five games. And I mean, I remember I was watching a game a few weeks ago, and I'm like, wait, RJ Hampton's still in the league and he's starting yeah. for my basketball team? I'm like, okay, like Spolstra is, it, it's crazy. He's never won a coach of the year. Absolutely yeah, disrespectful to yeah. the game of basketball. Yeah, dang. That's actually, that's wow. That, that's that, insane. That and even um, like if you look at, at Vegas and uh, like their betting odds on Coach of the Year, Spolster is not even like top ten on there. I don't think. Like it's it's absolutely insane. Mm. If you look at the Heat, like so, think about here are the guys that have played at least a decently sized role in the Heat's rotation this year: mm. RJ Hampton, Jamal Kane, thirty-eight-year-old Kevin Love. You got thirty-eight-year-old Kyle Lowry, who was putting up zero like pretty consistently last season and this season. Yeah. Like true. you've got got and then he's been without Jimmy Butler for at least 10 games, probably more. He's been without Bam for at least 10 games, Hero yeah. for at least 10 games. And where are the Heat? Fifth seed. Like that's, that's he does stuff like that every single year and not having a coach of the year just makes no sense to me. But you know the the NBA always they they always have their certain agendas to push and hey, Wolster yeah. got one hundred and twenty million dollars. I don't think he's ever going to care about a coach of the year ever again, and I hope he doesn't care because for some reason the NBA just doesn't want to give it to him. So yeah, that's actually pretty crazy now I think about it. And I'm also happy that he's now the highest paid coach because I had so much. I, I made a couple videos about it in the beginning. Not that I wanted to be different, but I was really on board with what the Pistons were doing. You know, they had Cade back. I, I love Jalen Durant because I, you know, I'm a uh, sports gambler myself. So I like some some of the teams you gotta watch, even the city teams, just to make sure you know you know what they're about. And I was like, yes, this team, boy on his back, Jaden Ivy is just gonna develop in his second year. Jalen Durant is Asar Thompson. Kate is back. I'm like, okay, this this team might be dangerous. Monty was pretty good when he was up at, at the Suns. You know, probably a little shaky in the beginning, but you know, acclimated himself. Was also blessed with some, a good squad. But you know, when you have a good squad, he took him. He took him far enough. And I thought, you know, he would be able to develop these players. And boy, was I wrong. I did not think this team was going to be this ass. Oh you my know, gosh! We have to remember that just because you've got a good coaching record never means anything. Let's never forget that Luke Walton had an amazing coaching record when he coached for the Warriors. Mm-hmm. Doc Rivers has an amazing coaching record, and the only championship That's he true. won was, was thanks to Tom Thibodeau being the defensive coordinator for that team, basically. Like, Dang. the thing is, you know, the reality is that coaching record and, and like, I'm all, I, I'm generally very pro coach. So, like, I talked about, mm-hmm. I referenced that little, the Steve Kerr thing. Yeah. I actually think Steve Kerr shouldn't be fired. And that's a controversial opinion to have. But for me, I think it's like, first off, who are you going to get um, yeah, at this point in the season? 
And second off, why are we pretending that the Warriors just have this star-studded roster and Steve Kerr is messing it up? Like, yes, is he yeah. playing Corey Joseph at all? And like <laughs> in, in the year 2024, yes, he is playing Corey Joseph. He does have some things that he can be better at and some players he could play less or more. But the reality is he also just doesn't have that great of a roster. Yeah, I mean, think true. about it. Jordan Poole, of course, has been really bad this year as a first option. But the thing is, the Warriors, if Clay and Wiggins and all those guys were still at the level they were at last year, Jordan Poole isn't needed. But now you kind of need an offensive spark on that team because you've got Clay who will just chuck whatever at any interval. Wiggins really hasn't been that great. I mean, by his standards, Andrew Wiggins hasn't been an all star. Yeah. Like putting up probably what, 11, 12? Like I feel like he's not even putting up yeah. that many points per game. And for all that Jordan Poole didn't do well, he still was putting up 20 a game. Yeah. Damn near. And like, obviously, he's not going to be amazing as a first option because he was like the fourth option. I, so would say, I, think, I would say, though. The Jordan Poole stuff, because I know I was I was big on Jordan Poole when he went to the Wizards. All right, and what number one option? Like this is his his team now. He's gonna be good. But you're I, not the but only would, one. But I would say there's two two things that I didn't. I don't really think about. I just always think about player, player, player when it comes to success and like how good they'll be. And sometimes it's a mix of both. And his situation, the Wizards, not not really the best team. Coaches very much as like th- that dude should not be the coach of the Wizards. I could be the coach of the Wizards, and I know two things about basketball: I dribble and put the ball in the hoop. That's it. <laughs> and I know for that situation, like that coach is not not good, not good at all. Front office, yeah, which uh, is, which know. is funny because he seemed like the guy for a little bit. Yeah, but I, that <laughs> that fluke ass like fourteen and three start. Yeah, they were like, oh, okay, Wes Unsell Jr., coach of the year candidate. I'm like, all right, good for the Wizards. I don't know how (laughs) the biggest rise to the biggest fall. I couldn't freaking believe it. Yeah. Looking at the Warriors, you are correct about the – you can't really fire the coach when the options out there aren't really that good. But I will say that I don't know what Warriors fans expected when Jordan Poole – it's quite literally the reason why y'all won the ring. Yes, Andrew Wiggins rise on defense to stop Jason Tatum and completely neutralize him, and he was playing. He was playing a great role as before the option because I believe Jordan Poole was the second option on that team. He was. I'm pretty sure he was second in points per game on that team, and he didn't even start. That's yeah, and, that's that's fair. Yeah, I mean, he was. And in terms of like the hierarchy, it felt like he yeah. was fourth, but when you look yeah. at the stats, he was really the second. Yeah. Yeah, so who I don't know what Warriors fans expected. Okay, yeah, he didn't have the best playoff series last season. Okay, cool. Like, uh, all right, some people that people have mess up, but to to completely trade him, obviously it was, I guess the Draymond situation with the money, and then him punching him in the face. So it was don't get me you know, started with Draymond, man. Yeah, don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> chemistry was an issue, money was an issue, so they chose Draymond over Poole, but look what happened now. Like, obviously, hindsight is twenty twenty, but that really shows that, damn, that team just really chose just, like, a, an abusive player over a dude that's chill and just, like, 
fun to have around. Obviously, he may not have the best shot selection in the world, but he was still young. He's going to develop. Now you got you got to leave Steve Kerr to develop all those other players off the bench, and he's not really developing them. Like Jonathan Kaminga, his timeline was supposed to be a little bit better. Now he's supposed to get more minutes. Why he's that young, not getting any minutes? Clay still stays in the game when Clay goes and shoots thirty percent for ten games in a row, and it's like, all right, you may not bench him, but tell him to chill. Like you're not the same type of dude. I understand his injuries and whatnot, but sometimes you gotta. You got to man up and tell him, like, you might not be that guy anymore. Andrew Wiggins, they eventually benched him because he was playing bad. Why don't you do the same thing to Clay? Just because he, I guess, cemented as one of them shooters of all time. Like, you know, the, your time comes sometimes. And yeah, I mean, I mean, look, he admitted that in the press conference, but there's still been no action taken. Yeah. Like, if he finally admits all that, guess what that gives you permission to do? Put him on the bench. Yeah, or make a rotation. Put him where he belongs. Him, yeah, or make put a little bit less minutes on him. Something like just get get the young people in there. Where I get that you want to have a championship. Championship cultures with the Warriors are about now, but those people are getting old. It's crazy that like, all these people are really old now. Like you don't really yeah. feel it until you you see it. Like obviously, there's people like LeBron that you feel like won't ever slow down, but they're not really winning games. They, he's just exactly. cooking by himself. So yeah, I, I mean. Think the rotation problem is something that you just need to take a risk on and just do it. Exactly. Not just try to go to your self, their safety valve and just be like, all right, he's going to figure it out. 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 He figured it out for one game and he's right back to the same shit the next game. Yeah. And I mean, the thing is, you think about how did the Warriors dynasty start? They chose the young over the old. Very mm-hmm. simple. They told, they said, hey, Monte. You've been good to us, but we haven't won any games. We're going with the dude with the glass ankles. You know, they played yeah. Draymond a lot of minutes, who was a second-round pick. You don't usually do that with your second-round picks, but you give him plenty of opportunity. You give Clay opportunity being a lottery pick. That was the reality of the Warriors. They were like, okay, look, we've had all these old dudes and we've sucked. Why not try the young guys? And obviously, they don't suck completely. Like, mm-hmm. recently. I mean, they won a championship two years ago. But the reality is, how did the dynasty start? You play the young guys. And the thing is, when you're, like, if they're just, like, the four or the five seed, you keep doing what you're doing. They're mm-hmm. in and out of the playing race on a daily basis. Yeah. You know, I- I've seen all these tweets about, like, you have to accept the cookies to see the Warriors, like, <laughs> on-, on the standings page. Like, that's reality. When you're the 10 or 11 seed and you're not like a young team, you're a team. The Warriors are champion. They are a team aspiring for a championship. If you're a team aspiring for a championship, you don't have time to keep middling as a 10, 11, 12 seed. You've got to try something different. And that's especially when Draymond's out. This is the perfect time to experiment with guys. Mm hmm. And and of and course, saying all that with Steve Kerr was, and I'm still saying, yes, yeah, Steve Kerr shouldn't be fired. But what stop? What what's telling you that? You know, you think about the coaching guys in the market. What's stopping you from being like, oh yeah, like oh Mike D'Antoni is definitely going to do better, or Doc Rivers is definitely going to do better, or yeah. you know whoever is like Mark Jackson is definitely going to do like. Like, look, I, yeah, Mark Jackson started the dynasty. It's yeah, also been 15 say. years. 
Yeah. Like, sure. of course, Mark Jackson get, should get a lot of credit for yeah. starting up this Warriors dynasty. The man's been in the commentary booth for basically 15 years now. Yeah. So the reality is you just kind of have to keep going with it. And, of course, you want Steve Kerr to get better. But the reality is you trade. The thing is, Steve Kerr is kind of part of the family now for the same reasons that Clay and Draymond still get so much opportunity is the same reason that Steve Kerr is there. And you kind of just have to accept it for how it is. Yeah, that's true. I just hope they develop their bench players. Because there's there's so so much opportunity there. And then even, like, you know, moving forward in the draft, because, you know, stuff doesn't have to click immediately. But just show that you're willing to experiment with some change and just do things a little bit different with another player, you know, or do the same thing with another player. And just, you know, yeah. go put yourself out there. But he's, the just, trying, he's just trying to force things that don't work at the moment. Yeah, and obviously, the, the, you go back into the playoffs, of course you're going to want to play your vets more, but I think about what the Heat do especially well with a lot of their veterans is they let them rest during the season. They don't have to go 110% during the season and that gives people opportunity like you know in the past they gave you know gave vincent max Struess, duncan robinson caleb martin those are all guys who got opportunity because they were like hey vets we're gonna need you guys in the playoffs you know for example caleb martin the whole basically the entire last season was like even when kevin love came was the starter but when the playoffs came around, they're like, hey, Kevin, you're the veteran. We want you to start. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that worked well because then Caleb Martin had the experience to come off the bench and torch teams. Meanwhile, Kevin Love is like, okay, I might not be Minnesota, but, hey, back in 2016, I did what LeBron needed me to do and it worked. And mm-hmm. they're able to go much further than they're supposed to because they say, hey, 38-year-olds, you guys get some time off. You guys get some rest. That's why we're never really rushing Jimmy back. Because yeah. the Heat are willing to play their young, younger guys. Obviously, the Heat have a very old roster. But they're willing to play younger guys, knowing that, hey, we might need you in a playoff series. But if we don't, guess what you did? You gave our veterans more time to be good in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And that, that's the key when it comes to the yeah. Warriors. And that's what make Eric Spolstra a good coach because he'll see what works. He'll play somebody that probably hasn't gotten that too many minutes, but it's, he's not going to go too deep into the bench with somebody with zero experience and just throw him out there. He might, but like it's very unlikely, but he's willing to take a risk on somebody he, who he knows their skill set and could exploit a mismatch on the other team, and he'll put them out there. Some coaches won't make that decision with somebody that hasn't played too many minutes. He will go exactly. to, He will find that guy on the team to make a difference. And I mean, he will experiment with them. Yeah, like you think about, of course, like some of these guys I'm going to mention are no longer on the team or even in the NBA. But I mean, you think about, I'm going to go as far back as Justice Winslow. Like, yes, mm-hmm. he was a first round pick, but he struggled like crazy. So, what does Eric Spolster do? Hey, we suck this season. I'm going to put you up point guard. Mm-hmm. Like, and Justice Winslow was actually like pretty good. I mean, of course, he's now, I think he's on the Raptors G League team. But you have that. I remember Gabe Vincent 
was one of the worst offensive players I'd ever watched with my own two eyes. Soon enough, oh, wow. soon enough, he's a playoff contributor. And of course, yes, he's been injured with the Lakers now, but the Lakers should have learned from Kendrick Nunn, who once again got a lot of opportunity because of Eric Spolstra. Case in yeah. point. And, it, and it's funny, it's funny you bring up the Lakers. They're saying like everybody like cooks and then gets on their team and doesn't cook. But I also feel like, yeah, that's true. It's also a coaching system thing, a, a culture system, the personnel you have. That's but it's also like, what? I was just saying, what do you expect? Yeah. It's like, it's the heat. What do you expect? And like, even if it's another team, what do you expect? And then the Lakers always try to go back and try to do all this revisionist history, like with Alex Caruso. Oh my gosh. Like, okay. Yeah. Alex Caruso is a defender, a point guard. They need that. They haven't had that. So obviously they won't be missing a defender. But like, oh my goodness. Like Alex Caruso should be on our team. Oh my goodness. Malik Monk should be on our team. Like those players are on your team almost four years ago. Why are y'all missing them now? They're well, in a better position. Yeah, Lakers, Lakers fans did this with KCP and Kuzma. Yeah, yep. Oh I, my I God, will I never, I will never forget that. They were like, oh, Kuzma's the worst. And people and all the media could talk about is, oh, is, is Kuzma the third option? Is it KCP? And I'm thinking, like, they don't need a third option. Guess what? They win a championship. Who cares who's the third option? You won the damn thing. Yep. And then now, and then Lakers fans were like, you know. Or KCP's bricks in the finals against the Heat. They they wanted him like. Oh no, sorry, that was Danny Green. Um, but KCP mm-hmm. and KCP. I'm pretty sure they wanted KCP out of there too. Which is crazy because KCP was the third best player on that team in the finals. Mm-hmm. KCP was pretty damn good. Like he was torching us. But the reality is, like, like Lakers fans are just hilarious to me. And this is coming from a Heat fan. I know Heat fans yeah. are delusional, but. <laughs> There will never be a Heat fan who says stuff like, oh, like, people treat playing the Miami Heat like it's their Super Bowl when, like, Sam Hauser cooks us. Like, no, he's a good shooter. And then, like, the funniest is, like, Lakers Lakers fans are always like, oh, like, they play us, like, if they're Super Bowl when Mm -hmm. they just leave them open. (laughs) Like, there are certain times where, yes, some guys will make, like, contested shots against the Lakers because guys make contested shots. They're NBA players. But there are yeah. some times where Lakers fans will be like, oh my God, like they're treating it like it's the game seven, the NBA finals. I'm like, no, you guys gave up 10 uncontested threes tonight. Like these guys are going to make them. You might be a 29% NBA three point shooter, but if you get open shots, you're probably going to make yeah. more than 29% yeah. of them. I guarantee you, you put the worst shooter in NBA history 10 times wide open from the three-point line, they will shoot better than their average percentage. Guarantee. You put Shaq takes 10 wide open threes, he's making more. He, he's making three or more. Because it's wide yeah, open but, shots. Yeah, I mean, and these are on the practice court. Like, yeah. That's, that's true. But, th- but that's these true. are NBA they, players. They all can shoot. Yeah. Yeah, like you've they seen. All shoot. Like you've probably seen videos of like, it was like DeAndre Jordan or something. Like there was like, a guy historically known as like an absolutely yeah. awful three-point shooter. And he was splashing him down like at one after another after another. Yeah. Like, you have to remember, mm-hmm. some of these 6'10 guys were 5'9 point guards. I mean, I think about Dwight Howard's probably the example of like a guy with a really bad three-point percentage but could splash him down. Mm-hmm. Like Dwight Howard like had a crazy growth spurt in high school. He was not always the starting center. 
Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm like, you know, Lakers fans, it's so funny to me. Like, they're treating it like it's their game seven. Like, no, play better defense. Maybe if you didn't, you know, maybe maybe if the team didn't give up on Caruso. Like, yeah, they'll probably be in a different position right now. But they always, they just, they just grab onto the hype instead of trying to either build something because they got players. Like, we don't know how skillful they'll end up being. But sometimes you just got to take a risk on the squad. Obviously, there's some people out there you might look for and go towards. But, you know, sometimes take take a risk in-house. You'll be you'll be glad to see how stuff can work out. Yeah, and, like, so I'll give it. They like to grab on the hype. Yeah, and, like, I'll give an example. Like, so Jalen hood Shafino has been mm-hmm. pretty, pretty dreadful from what I've heard. Mm-hmm. But I guarantee it. Uh, you know who's also been very, very dreadful? The Los Angeles Lakers. Mm-hmm. And maybe if you give him some opportunity, yeah, he might not be great five games, 10 games in, but you might see, hey, here's the thing is, all you need as an NBA role player is one, you, you need to be, you know, you need to have proficiency in one skill. Could that make you great in the playoffs? Maybe not. You know, like people always talk about, like specialists don't necessarily get that much playing time but in the regular season if you're a defensive specialist like I, you know a guy think about when i say the word defensive specialist i think like frank nilakina like frank mm-hmm. nilakina could give you 10 15 minutes in a regular season game sure in the playoffs are you going to play him more than three minutes no but he can help you win regular season games and when you're in the play-in position that's all you need you need to win games and also feel like it's the personnel thing with the Lakers because I've always said, as a LeBron fan, if you're trying to develop a young dude next to LeBron, the dude has to play. He has to be a good – it's funny because they have to already be like this. They can't be developing like this unless they were like really super-duper good at this one thing. Like at least how Austin Reeves has been a little bit better now, even though he's not like a young guy. He's just like – Actually, he's not even young. <laughs> the same age as Brandon Ingram and Jason Tatum. But the point guard that has to be on LeBron's team either has to be a knockdown shooter or the best point guard of all time that can play like a, a tiny bit of defense, like, I don't know, off-ball defense or a mix of both. Because that's why it works with Kyrie. Like, it doesn't work with D'Lo because D'Lo, he, he can score, very much a good score. But it's just not working on the Lakers. And that I feel like that's the LeBron effect. And I can't really explain it, but people, if you're not one of them knockdown shooters, three and D, the best rebounder in the whole world, space the floor a little bit, at least now, you're not going to succeed against with LeBron because you saw all those people that careers that went, they went to the, whatever LeBron team was and career done. My first, my, my greatest example is that of that was Rodney Hood. Rodney Hood was a fucking bucket on the Jazz. Went to go play with LeBron, never saw the light of day again, never got back to what he was before. Also did tear his Achilles, but damn, he wasn't the same caliber player he was before he played with LeBron. And it's just sometimes that's the thing you have to risk with playing with LeBron, but it's because he, he, he's in a win-now mode. He doesn't have years to be like, okay, let's develop and then go again. And he's like, he's 39. Bro, I didn't even. I haven't thought about Rodney Hood in forever. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. That's, nah, that's I, a throwback. I, I, I always remember it because he he was also on the Trailblazers and yeah, he, he was solid for us. And then he he tore his Achilles on our team. But it it's crazy how he was. I want to say star player, but rising star. 
went to LeBron, next to LeBron, became a role player, and now his his they might people might remember him as just a role player. Yeah, which like I he mean, wasn't the number one or two option on the Jazz. Yeah, and I think about with Rodney Hood, the biggest moment uh, was that was like triple overtime game with the Nuggets. Mm-hmm. Bro, yep. I thought Rodney Hood subs in that third overtime and looks like the greatest shooter of all time. <laughs> and you're ne- he, we are never going to see that again in the NBA. Yep. Bro, Rodney Hood, that's, that's one of the, lit- quite literally one of the greatest playoff performances of all time. And it was about four minutes long. Yeah. Like, that man could oh, not man. miss. Everyone was tired as hell. This man came in with fresh legs and was like, all right, I'm going to knock down three, four threes, and I'm going to end this game. Okay, cool. Break. Yep. And he was like, you know what? Dane, this isn't your team anymore. I'm Rodney freaking Hood. <laughs> so I know we talked about a little bit before this about your internship at the Slam. Can you go a little bit into detail of how that was for you, what you learned, how you got into it? No, no doubt. And this <laughs> feels like I'm at like a like one of my uh, speaker events at my college. But um, <laughs> I, you know, I had me on LinkedIn and all that stuff. But regardless, so I worked for so Slam Slam Magazine, as people know, is really Slam Media. So I worked there. I was a brand partnerships intern for Slam. So essentially, a brand partnerships representative or whatever. They will go and you know, basically sales. The, there's a few different things. They either sell, like you think, think about spots in the magazine, but they'll sell spots on social media, or you know, brands come to them and say, "Hey, I want to, I want to work with Slam. What can I do to work with Slam?" Like stuff mm-hmm. like. That. So essentially, I mean, a lot of what I did, considering I was an 18 year old, mixed with mainly interns who were drinking age or above. Yeah. You know, a lot of what I did, honestly, was listening and just obviously like I can't necessarily go into like, you know, the clients that I spoke to and like people and stuff. But, you know, Mm -hmm. you get to talk to a lot of people above you and you just get to learn. And I mean, I love that because, you know, I'm someone who loves to talk, but it's good Mm -hmm. to get, you know, a lot of knowledge and really learn from people, you know, in places where I want to be when I grow up. So that was a lot of it, just like listening and stuff. But I did, you know, I did some market research. I did some other stuff. And, you know, I I would say I was a little bit crazy because, you know, I'm only doing, you know, this stuff. And I traveled from Connecticut, where I live, up to Queens, New York, four days a week. I did not. I did not live in New York. I, I was like. I just like I just finished my first year in college. I'm like, look, I'm staying with my parents over the summer. Uh, I'm not living in New York by myself as an 18 year old. I'm good. You know, I just spent I spent the summer before as a camp counselor. I used to go to a sports camp when I worked there. Mm-hmm. Coacher Sports Academy in Massachusetts. Love that place. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was like, look, I'm I'm this young. Like I'm living with my parents, so I would drive to the train station. I take the Metro North down. I take the subway. And between that, it was about four hours round trip a day of traveling. So that was probably one of my biggest adjustments, honestly. Just mm-hmm. used to travel. Yeah, I was gonna say driving that. Yeah, driving oh that hard, bro. Four hours a day, and like most of the interns did not show up on a daily basis because they didn't need to. Like I showed up Monday to Thursday. Turned my hours for like eleven to five. Like it wasn't like the craziest hours ever. But mm-hmm. I think like the big adjustment was traveling. And then obviously, you know, the stuff that people want to hear about. Yes, 
I got to meet, you know, a few NBA players. Mm-hmm. Specifically, I met Bilal Kubali and Cam Whitmore. And that was very oh, cool. Wow. I'll never forget. So, Bilal. You're a lucky, lucky guy. Yeah, it was. And this was at the time where it looked like the Heat were going to draft Cam Whitmore. Obviously, I didn't. Mm-hmm. Happen, but the thing is, so with meeting them, I'll never forget. So, just to give you a reference, so Cam, I think, is like about 20. So, he's like a year and a half older than me. Bilal's only a few months older than me, which is like kind of strange when you're like, you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm the same age as some people getting drafted to the NBA. Yeah. And so Bilal, I remember it was like, you know, obviously he had like, he's no, if for people who don't know, teammate of Victor Wambanyama in France. And so, you know, he's just like, you know, he's taking it all in. He's like, you know, he hasn't really been in America too much. So for him, it was like cool because he, he was just so incredibly humble and just like a, you can tell he's just like a really good guy. And Cam Whitmore was just like that too. I'll never forget, I was outside pretending like I was an employee. I'm sure they figured it out very quickly I was an intern. But I was stand, so I like stood outside in the hallway right before the office. And I remember I was shaking the hands of Cam Whitmore's family. And I get to Cam and I'm like, oh, you know, like so I'm, so I'm getting everyone's name. And I'm like, oh, surely he's not going to say anything, right? And like, Shook's name is like, yeah, I'm Cam. And I'm thinking, like, dude, I know you're going to draft it. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know, it, was, it was like so funny. I, I'm Cam. I'm like, yeah, dude, your family's all my height, and you're six eight. I know who you are, dude. Like, you're a foot taller than me. <laughs> yeah, so, I'll never forget that about getting to meet them. There were a lot of there were a bunch of high school recruits who came in, like some really high high ranking guys. Like I met Jason Richardson's son, Chase Richardson, who's like oh, one of the top, wow. he's like one of the top high school prospects. Yeah, some men, men and women's teams. There'd be guys from like like New York high schools, like prospects. They just like come in mm-hmm. just sometimes. It's like come and visit, you know. But sure. I mean, the experience there was fun because yes, I wasn't getting paid, but I didn't even expect to have an internship over the summer. So it was it was just amazing to be like, hey, I'm working at freaking Slam. This is this is an incredible experience, you know. The office was just, I mean, it wasn't like anything too crazy, but when you walk in and you see like, there's like pictures of like J. Cole, because he was on a slam cover. There's the one, there's like uh, the cover wall with like all their covers on it. Just being around yeah. that was very cool. And just knowing yeah, that, like, yeah, like just knowing that every place you step, there's probably been someone crazy famous that you look up to who stepped that same step as you. Mm-hmm. like that's the craziest part like i remember i talked about my sports camp so my sports camp used to have the old boston garden four in their gym mm-hmm. and so it was crazy because like every time i dribble and like there were dead spots on the court cause the court was so like from like the 50s uh, i remember every time i dribble on a dead spot i'm like wow like larry bird probably hated that same dead spot and like that's how it <laughs> And that and that's how it felt being you know being at slam and you know, somewhere be like wow like LeBron's probably been in this room, or you know, Jay Cole's probably been in this room. Drake's, you know, Drake and Kyle Lowry have probably been in this room. So that was really just the best part, just kind of taking it all in. And like, sure, I still did work and it still felt like work, but it was so, it was just so like nice to be around. And so that whole, entirety of Slam is really only 20, 30, 40 employees. So it's, oh, wow. yeah, it's not a lot of people. And like in the office, there was about 20 on any given day at most. Like there were some days I went in, there were like eight people. And then there were also 20 interns. About five of them would be there on a daily basis. 
it's like brand partnerships you got to be there because they're not going to send you a zoom call for some like yeah <laughs> they're not going to send you a zoom call for a big company like sales meeting mm-hmm. and, like your stupid intern has the link like they're not going to let you do that <laughs> so you got to be there for it but you know there's like the editorial people there's like you know social media and you don't have to be at the office to do that so everyone obviously had their reasons mm-hmm. but it was just, just being there pretty much four days a week for 10 weeks i was just knowing that okay i'm li- you know i get to live someone's dream i you know i get to live my own dream that's why i was like i didn't care that i wasn't paid i didn't care what i did i get to be here and that's all that yeah happened. just at least the exposure exactly and i i'm about to you know with the i'm with the school, you know, the school I'm at, we get the sports business club. And like, there's a good chance that now that I've been there, you know, the CEO, so Les Green, who used to be with Nike, he's been the slam CEO for about a year and a half, was at the office mm-hmm. as often as I was. So, yeah, see, you get, like that, the cool. thing is, when there's about 20 people at a company, you get that, that's when you, you get to meet the CEO, you get to meet the, you get to meet the CFO, you get to meet the guy. I basically met every single, important person within slam magazine except for the founder because he's just not around yeah like that's so that was the best part like i, I got to you know shake a hand ceo and you know play horse with him got, <laughs> you know I, there's like a mini basketball hoop in there and i'm like yeah. you know yeah like yeah. i was playing a horse and uh the senior vice president of brand partnerships the ceo and the president were all just you know chatting it up and you know talking trash and all that stuff like it's it was just mm-hmm. truly a, a one in a kind experience. And like, sure, you know, I might not ever work for Slam again, but I have like the utmost respect, especially considering the fact that, you know, I came in in the position I was. I was a junior senior in college. I was a sophomore. I was 18 mm-hmm. years old. Like, you know, the fact that they were willing to take a chance on me, just I'm like forever grateful. Because yeah. now I go to apply for ESPN. I go to apply for whoever. They're going to see I worked at Slam and forever until I'm really in the industry and out of college and stuff. That's going to mm-hmm. be one of my biggest draws. And it and literally will never matter what I did at Slam. I was there and I made mm-hmm. it over. Yeah. I mean, I remember that like one of the first days we were there, like one of the... <laughs> One of the other interns, he was like, yeah, you know, I remember when I was on LinkedIn and I applied for it and I and I saw like a thousand other people applied and I was like, oh, my God, like like us 20 made it over 980 other people. It's like absolutely wild to think about. And that's why I'm I'm just, you know, I'm forever grateful to literally everyone there like my own supervisor my guy josh i mean i'm sure they're all not listening to this but mm-hmm. all the guys is like it was just absolutely amazing to know that like you know some of these people might have worked here for five years some of these people have been here since the start of the magazine like i got to meet i got to meet the woman who puts together every single slam magazine and she's been doing it nearly since the start of the company like it's Wow, hey, whatever. Yeah, you got it. You got time exactly. To and like, sure, I'm not talking to them on a regular basis anymore, but I know for a fact I'll be able to. I'll probably be able to visit over the summer. There's yeah. an opportunity. Who knows? I could always go work there again. Like, that's that's yeah. why it was just working at Slam was amazing. 
I loved it. I never regretted a single second of the four hours a day of travel. Not once. Mm-hmm. I was never like, why am I doing this today? I'm like, look, I have the opportunity time to be in the office. I'm gonna be there. Like I know so many people who if they were in my position, they would show up there as often as possible. And that's why I was always like, no shade to any other intern who didn't show up there every day. But I was like, I'm gonna be there. Yeah. I only get this once. Exactly. You only get this once. I'll never forget just being there. And like even when I first didn't realize I had to listen and I said some dumb shit. (laughs) The best part was being like, hey, I said it. I learned, but they're going to remember me. So mm-hmm. I at least tried. And, you know, I got, even if I ever, like, even if I ever felt like a personality hire, I was like, I work here. I don't care. I don't care if they hire me because I got <laughs> nice blue eyes. I don't care if they hire me because of my facial hair. I don't care if they hire me because of a funny joke <laughs> I made. I worked this slam and that's all that matters. So that's, not not to go off for so long, but I just, I mean, it was, it's the first real internship I ever worked. So I will always. Oh, yeah. I was going to say that, that experience will stick with you forever, man. Like, you know, you're always going to talk about that. Exactly. Sure. I will never, you know, wherever I go, whether it's sports or otherwise, Slam was just, especially like the biggest part, the fact that it was such a small company meant that you had access, you know, to see, you, you were able to see like, what everyone was doing and what it takes. You know, you see the guy who runs all the slam social medias in the same room with the person who writes the top articles, the person who travels out to tra- travels out to California to go interview Steph Curry. You know, the guy who knows all that, like there's the, you know, slam kicks guy. There's the women's slam girl. Like there's, you see everyone. And, you know, and that was the, fu- the funniest part. So I, I don't know if you're aware of the, the slam summer classic. So it's like the yeah. yearly like high school uh, player showcase. So the funniest was I remember seeing the NBA post on Twitter, like uh, Cooper Flag hits a game winner and the hashtag Sam Sam Summer Classic, and I look in the background video yeah. uh, in the background of the video, and it's no, you. I wish I was, oh, I okay. was back at school. <laughs> uh, it sucked. I did not get to work the Slam Summer Classic because I had to go back to school, but it's okay because. So I looked at that video on Twitter. Within a few seconds, like, so he hit a shot and sent it to overtime. And, like, immediately, three Slam employees I used to sit, like, a row away from were all, like, getting there, like, hey, hey, guys, we have to play overtime. I'm like, oh, you know, that that's Pitt. That's, <laughs> that's Max. That's, you know, that's Dave. I'm like, I know those dudes. It's so funny <laughs> looking at one. I've never once looked at one of those videos and been like, wait, I actually, like, know these dudes. You know, and that... To other yeah. people, they're background characters. To other people, they were my coworkers. Yeah. <laughs> so. And yeah, no, it's that, that's definitely one of the kind of experiences that's, that's going to stick with you forever, bro. Especially since it happened so early, yeah. and it's going to keep all the next experiences you have. I'm just going to keep building upon that one. Exactly. Like, I'm going to put you put you, put your best foot forward with that experience for sure. Yeah, and you know, even now, like now, my internship, I'm working at like the marketing part of like the dining at my college and like mm-hmm. you know yeah i'm gonna get paid for that but as much as i'm gonna enjoy it it would not match the experience that i had at slam and that's okay because the dream for people is to get paid and work somewhere cool i got to work somewhere cool 
Mm-hmm. Didn't get paid, but I got to work somewhere cool. So I got to live half of that dream already. Could not get paid for the other internships. Mm-hmm. So, you know, no complaints from me. <laughs> yeah. That's good, man. That's I good. So moving on to the your TikTok, what do you what do you hope to gain when you build your TikTok audience talking about sports, whether it's football, basketball, or maybe if you branch out into baseball, soccer or something. What do you hope to gain from any of those things? All right. So in terms of social media, (laughs) I'll be honest. For me, it's like my account, because I've been on and off with it, I never really got a solid audience. So, you know, obviously 5,000 followers looks awesome, but it's more one of those things where I kind of missed having like a true core audience. I just kind of have, I always think about, so I've I've been a percussionist for a long time, played a lot of drums. There's a difference between a drummer and a percussionist. A drummer, you know, they could do drum set and all that stuff. But, mm-hmm. you know, percussionist is someone who goes out and kind of does everything. And so there's a difference between someone who's got followers and someone who's followers yeah. that you communicate with, you build relationships with, all that stuff. So that's mm-hmm. one of those things where, you know, I really want to grow, whether it's this account or I start a different account. I need a core audience. And that's really what I Mm -hmm. want because the reality is I don't necessarily get anything. Like I'm not making any money. I don't get any fun out of just kind of sending out TikToks into the void. Like it's far more fulfilling to be like, hey, you know, I'm going to post this and I'll get to have conversations in the comments. And Mm -hmm. I might get to, you know, I could hop on a podcast, you know, like right here. Like this is yeah. this is what I really enjoy. And of course, engagement and stuff is fun and all that. And I want that. But at the end of the day, I love mm. the commu- the way of like working with people and communicating with people because that's the way that the thing is for people who want for people who want to make money, usually the, the, I, mm. I remember this. So at the, the school I go to, Kevin O'Leary, so Mr. Wonderful from Shark mm. Tank, uh spoke there. And so he mm. said the most important thing. Is that when you're an entrepreneur and you know when you're going into business, if you're there just for the money, you are in the wrong place. It, it, and and that, this applies to anywhere in life. You should be there for the passion first and for whatever freedom either a job or a business gives you, you should be there for that first because at the end of the day, that's what matters. And money is cool and all that. And I'm not going to be like, oh, money doesn't buy you happiness, whatever. But like in all reality, yeah. you know, I think about, you know, Drake said, you know, when I die, I put my money in the grave. Because what what difference does money make to him? Like, yeah, he has money and that's great. But, you know, he's built really good. Lil Wayne is his friend for life. Nicki Minaj is yeah. his friend for life. Like, uh, you know, he's got what what drake, yeah drake you know, has got all this music this and that but i guarantee mm-hmm. you he that's why Leo, i i can't believe i'm referencing all these drake songs but um was the one drake in the weekend song crew love where he's like yeah i'd rather you know spend my money on on my soldiers and see the looks on all their faces he'd rather yeah. do that than save the money and be like yeah i got all this extra money he wants to see his people happy mm-hmm. and at the end of the day if you you know you do something to make yourself happy to make other people happy. That's what I want to do. And that's also why, like, for all the jokes that I make, I do definitely want to steer towards being more positive and not, you know, yeah. 
Because I don't want, because like, if I'm going to make jokes and all that, I want people to know it's like out of kindness and I'm just doing it for comedic purposes. And like, you know, I don't necessarily want to do, you know, the type of thing where I'm like, you know, like, you know, Lamar, like, you know, Phil Jackson side Lamar Odom, who was on crack. Like, I love Stephen A. Smith. He's entertaining. But the thing (laughs) is, there's a reason why you don't see Stephen A. Smith sitting down with NBA players because he disparages all of them. Yeah. He yeah, because yeah. I was going to say, even even earlier today, because he was about to get on his show and talk about Zion. I already knew who exactly. he was talking about, because he didn't even say Zion, but he was just like, fat bastard. And I'm like, I know you're talking about Zion. And I'm like, come on, bro. Like, okay, you might call him a I'm pretty sure kid. it's actually Jason Whitlock, but I get your point. Oh, oh right. okay. You're still right, though. <laughs> I thought he was the fact that you even thought that tells you everything Zion. you need to know, though. That's yeah. That's so I'm like, it's not even it's all right, yeah. So you can we can we already know that Zion may need to lose weight. All right, cool. He do he may not play as many games. He might be a, a what if. All right, cool. It's 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 cool. It's like you can be upset about it and you want better for the player, but like just continuously calling him fat, 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 like all right, cool, what does that do? That's that's why I, I say like I'd like to make jokes. There's players that I may or may not like. But it's not because of them personally. It might be because of their style of play. Like, the only person that comes to mind when I think about players I don't really – I'm not really fond of is Jason Tatum. But that's because – probably because he's on the Celtics. And when I watch him play, sometimes isn't, like, the most cool basketball to me. I might, it's just biased. And probably because some of my friends are Celtics fans. is like, all right, you might develop a distaste for a player. But I'm not going to call and sit there and just, like – call him all the the words in the in the world like I'm I'm gonna keep it light because at the end of the day all these people are human I know what it's like to be in that spot where somebody's like oh you gotta just either shut up and dribble or shut up and play like people are not human so yeah we're gonna make jokes here and there but when it comes to like shit that Stephen A be doing sometimes it's like all right whatever you want to do to your rise of fame and I may not be the smartest person in the sports world. I might not have all the stats in my back pocket, but you know, I I, I take that good old eye test and some sort of experience in there. So I'm gonna give my point, allow people to either agree or disagree with my point. You know, have a conversation. That's what the community is for. And if I build my small community, small, big, a huge community of people that can debate, you know, keep a joke here and there, or even debate about stuff that has no no real evidence is like it's cool because that's what i like to do talking sports is the best thing in the world sometimes so yeah try to keep it away from those type of jokes though because you know we're not we're not attacking character unless their character may be yeah but you know i don't have no beef with Stephen a but you know i'm not going to do the shit yeah like look I'll make all the jokes in the world about you know the guy the carl malone's the jock stock john stockton's of the world Hmm. because they did, you know, they've done things that are worth, you know, being disparaged about. But mm-hmm. for example, like I'll give you an example. One thing I got to work on is the. So I have a friend who's a Knicks fan. Obviously, mm-hmm. this player is now traded, but R.J. Barrett. I used to think I'm like, mm-hmm. like, why do people like think he's a starting? Like, I'm still convinced R.J. Barrett should be a, like mm-hmm. would be a bench player on like most teams, but I'm just too scared mm-hmm. to do it. But uh, the thing okay. is. The one time, the one Knicks game I've seen the last few years, because I, li- I live in Connecticut, I went to a Knicks Heat game, dropped his career high. Mm-hmm. R.J. Barrett scored 43 points against the Miami Heat. Granted, Knicks lost by 15. <laughs> so I can still joke with my friend that, look, R.J. had this great performance, and then the Knicks weren't as good. But this was the season yeah. they missed the uh, play-in. They weren't very good. Mm-hmm. And, like, 
and that that you know i kind of learned from that like this is a man that i would mercilessly hate on and sure it's awesome mm. but he dropped 43 when i went and watched him this is why you don't mm. you know yes you could be like for example when i said i believe rj barrett makes more sense as a bench player i don't think that's disparaging him mm. that's me saying if you're yeah. on a championship team i think that he makes a lot of sense. And I say this about Julius Randle too. Julius Randle, I'm probably more wrong about. But, you know, I used to always say Julius Randle makes the most sense as a six man on a championship contender. He really just makes sense as a third option. Mm-hmm. But, you know, yeah. this is why you need to be more constructive. If you're like, you can't just be like, he's a bum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that, you know, this is why, you know, when you listen to a commentator talk, you know, they're going to be, you're, you know, Yes, they might be pretty nice about it, but at the end of the day, Mike Breen isn't going to go be like, Alec Burks sucks. Like, he's going to be like, look, Alec yeah. Burks hasn't shot as well this season from three as he usually does. Or, you know, mm-hmm. in the minutes that Alec Burks has played in this season, this team has had a negative five net rating. Yeah. So you're, you're going to at least you. So just give some, yeah, give some context exactly. to, to the situation. Like, you can't just be, the thing is, you can't start with, X players a bum and then back it up with statistics. You need to put in the statistics. Yeah. Sure, you can have opinions, you cannot have opinions. But if you put the, the statistics out there first, you then put it on whoever else to go out and say the opinion. You're just putting the facts out mm-hmm. there that, you know, if I say, hey, RJ Barrett makes more sense as a bench player than a starter, that's in, and then. You know, and I start with that, then that's okay. If I'm like RJ Barrett's a freaking bum, and then I put out the stats and then I put that out there, I put out that he's a bum. No one's going to care about the statistics. That's why, you know, mm-hmm. you've got the first takes and all the, you know, sensationalized everything. Because the thing is, people don't realize that is it is entertainment at the end of the day. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. That just means that we shouldn't take that. And push it into people, you know, push it into people's faces and stuff. And, you know, that's why I'm always like, look, if I'm ever going to say something crazy, let it be something that's like a joke or doesn't personally offend anyone or a person who just doesn't deserve necessarily. Or just make it super, or just make it super biased, like biased positively. Like, for example, you could say Bam Adebayo is the best center in the league since Kwame Brown. Uh, I don't know, like, because Kwame Brown is your second favorite center, something like that. Because obviously it could be exaggerated, but you could really like like how Kwame Brown hoop or like how Bam hoop. But it's like super biased, and you can see like, oh, okay, he's a Heat fan, he's gonna think like that. But it's like, why does he think like that? And then you're gonna explain what, and it could be maybe not to the reasoning of what somebody agrees with, but it's not like, oh, brother, this dude is doesn't know what he's talking about. At least you're going to bring up some point, and at the end of the day, it's a player you like. You don't really care who likes him or doesn't like him because that's <laughs> your opinion. And Heat fans are going to agree, maybe, and some of them yeah, might not. I mean, it's just and, that, that's, and I'm not saying I'm perfect. I have to do far better. At it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's okay. I think, in my opinion... It's okay to make jokes and stuff. Obviously, I'm not going to be the joke police. Not to be political at all, but I'm always, you know, whatever side you stand on, if you just say something stupid, like, for example, you know, liberals might say, and, uh, Republicans pretend to love America, but they actually hate it. And then, you know, 
Republicans yeah. will be like, oh, like Democrats are like vaccinating, you know, computer chips into people. Mm. Like just to say something mm-hmm. like that doesn't mean it's true or entertaining. And you shouldn't necessarily expect mm-hmm. people to respect it as such. Yeah. That's why I'm always like, you know, I think Dave Chappelle is funny. But when he comes out and says, like, oh, trans people aren't real, like, that's not funny. He's just saying, mm-hmm. he's just saying something stupid. Whether, wherever you stand yeah. on the issue, it's just not, it's not constructive. It's not even funny. It's just kind of saying yeah. something. It's like, have you ever seen, you ever seen clips of um, Matt Reif? So okay, so he was a dude who's on. So I'm a big fan of Wild and Out. So he's on Wild and Out. Honestly, wasn't that funny. He's fine. Oh, okay. Wild oh, right. He's a white okay. dude. So he's like he's like kind of stuck out. He's stuck out okay. on Wild now. Um. Okay. So <laughs> when it came, so now he does like comedy shows. Essentially, all he does is this thing called crowd work, which can be interesting. But essentially, here's what his his joke will be. So. He's talking to another person. He's he's talking to like a couple. And so he says, like, hey dude, is that your girlfriend? And he's like, Oh, not really. And then he's like, Wow. And then like that's the joke. And I'm like, like, that's not funny. You just oh, a... like that's kind of how I feel. If you yeah, just go out and say something and you troll and stuff, like that's great. I don't expect anyone mm-hmm. to respect you. <laughs> that that's the plain reality of it. Yeah. And so yeah. that that's really, you know. Come, come back to my point. Essentially, like, look, if we're gonna, t- if I'm gonna grow as a content creator, I don't want to grow because I just disparage people. Like, I, like, I don't want to be. I know you know this guy on TikTok. He's just like the Killian Hayes hater, and like, yeah, I don't think Killian Hayes is the yeah. best player. But like, this dude, bro, I see this guy on my for you page. I had to block him. I got tired of him. He'd be like. Killian yeah. Hayes, part 95. And I'm like, wait, you've been hating on this thing for 95 separate videos? <laughs> you know how crazy you have to be to be like, yeah, you know, okay, this guy, yeah, he was supposed, you know, he's a lottery pick and he's supposed to be good. You have 95 straight parts of roasting this man. Like, has it, he roasted him over like, he played 12 minutes and was like one for three. Like, okay, you know, meeting him and he yeah. like a few assists. I'm like, wait, you're coming after him for that? Yeah. Because I, I understand the reasoning sometimes. Killer Hayes is not the best player, but damn, no, 95. 95. Like... There's no reason. <laughs> bro, there's enough. no reason why, why the grade on my economics exam and the parts of Killian Hayes hate series should be the same number. <laughs> they should both be ninety-five. There is zero reason. Yeah, that's like there. There's no reason why you yeah. should have the same number, same number of Killian Hayes hates parts. Uh, I, I hate Killian Hayes parts as like hairs on LeBron's head. Like that's stupid. It's even yeah. right there. Like I'm joking around. With, like obviously, like I don't hate LeBron. It's like yeah. You know, yeah. There's plenty of comedians who are like, oh, I was gonna make a LeBron hairline joke, but. That was a joke back in 2006. Like, you know, okay. Yeah. So that's really that's really where I stand. And I'm like, if I'm going to go out there and make an impact, let, let it be one where even if I'm joking around and stuff, let it be a positive impact. That's why I love, yeah, um, yeah. you know, um, KOT4Q, he does enjoy basketball. One of my, yeah. I don't necessarily interact with it much, but easily my favorite mm-hmm. basketball brand to come out because it is quite literally all positive. Yeah. 
I was going to say, I definitely, I, I, I would say, I, I'm pretty sure he was like on the scene a little bit earlier when I was really super locked in on being on YouTube. Yeah, I, I kind of fallen off, off like forever, being yeah. on it both now. But now, like, I see his stuff. Not that I, 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 I gained some inspiration from him as well, just being, just talking about the sport because I don't know what his story. I just watch any video that pops up of his. You know, when I'm eating, quick 10-minute video of whatever breakdown exactly. he's having. And I'm like, yeah, he's going to have a joke here and there. But it's obviously just it's just all opinionated. But it's not like you're not digging too deep at somebody. Because they'll probably say the same thing about Killian Hayes, yeah. too. Or any other player that isn't doing well. But he's not going like, man, this guy's some shit. This guy's some shit. This dude should never touch the league. Like, nah, like, all right, this dude is not doing well. He hasn't been doing well. He probably is some shit. Uh, maybe you need to go to a different situation. He might be better. Uh, or just go to the G League. Because Kelly Hayes could quite literally probably still hoop in the G League. Exactly. Um, and that's why I'm like, but, you know, I might not ever be – I will probably never be as positive as a guy like Kenny Beecham. But if I can be 90 – you know, I can be 50% of that, 80% of that, 90% of that. Like, if I can at least make my core message being like, look, I never want to go after anyone. I'm honestly might not – I might even make that bio or something like – Make that make that my like bios on whatever accounts I do, but like I never wanted to be like I blow up because I'm hating on and like yeah I can be a hater sometimes, but I'm gonna hate on something. First off, at least make it funny, and second off, don't make it personal. You know, mm -hmm. like for example, you know I think about like a hoopology video, like dude who does like you know game time and like all that stuff. Like yeah, is he showing clips yeah. that play other players wouldn't want to see? Sure. But he's not, you know, he might be calling a guy like baby food, but he's just doing it for the entertainment to lift up the player. And he's not like, if he sees like, I don't know why I've just thought of big baby Glenn Davis. If he sees him getting dunked on. He's not like, you know, yeah. oh, like big baby's a, you know, big baby's a bum. He's like, no, nah, he just got dunked on. It's mm -hmm. a game time. Like that, that's really, I think about all the most popular things in the NBA, like creators and not just like TV and stuff. And honestly, it's mostly positive. That's that's the reality. So, mm -hmm. you want to go out there, you got to be positive. Absolutely, man. That's the uh, the best way to build a community. There's always going to be haters sometimes, but you know, just learn to navigate the haters and just laugh at them. Because or not laugh at them, laugh with them. Because if they're laughing at you, calling you some shit, hey, I'll take it. Your opinion is much appreciated. But you know, keep that over there. Without a doubt. Like yeah, I, I do appreciate you hopping on the call hope to do many more of these in the future love the insight you gave me hopefully i was able to <laughs> give you some more insight. Hey, no question, man you did uh, I, I loved it man and with that we end this episode tune in next week for our next special guest on the scoop podcast and we'll see you there peace